0: February 2nd, 2022. Let's talk tonight about the Pesukim, which describe uh, Adam as he's being banished from Gan Eden, But leading up to them, uh, the pasukim describe how he eats from etz hadatova and he and Hava's eyes are opened and as their eyes are open they quickly craft for themselves loincloths they cover themselves and then the pasuk says veyishma'u in source number 1 bereshit pere gimel pasuk hetru pasuk yod veyishma'u et kol adonai elohim mitalech bagan lruach hayom veyitḥab'a ha'adam veyishtom Pene adonai elohim betokh etz of course, a well-known circumstance and in the Torah, Adam and Chava hear Kol Adonai Elohim mitalech bagan l'ruach hayom. They hear the sound of God mitalech, with some sort of a movement attached to it l'ruach hayom. Many of them, Fashim, suggest it's Through the ruah hayom of some sort, through the winds, they perceive the sound of God. What's their reaction? Again, enigmatic, mysterious. Exactly what they're hearing. What's their reaction? They hide. Where do they hide? Betoch amongst, amidst the trees, or the tree of the gun. Of course, the well-known question of God to Adam: Where is it that you are? Where are you? Now, lest you. Me speaking, lest you look look past that call, that enigmatic, mysterious sound of God. It's the response of Adam. I heard your call. I heard the sound of you, Bagan in the garden. Va'ira, and I was fearful. Ki erom anochi I was fearful because I was um, naked, and as a result, I hid. Now, there are, to be sure, many interpretations as to what the significance of hearing this voice and in turn hiding is all about. What I'd like to bring you along uh, the journey in this class is a new perspective on it, something that I was inspired by in my thoughts on Parashat Terumah of all places. So again, what I'd like to address is what is it about hearing the call, Adonai Elohim ta'lekh batochagan? is it about that sound which they hear, which causes somewhat of a panic or a discomfort or vulnerable feelings amongst Adam and Hava, a hiding and a rationale of, it's the call that we heard which made us realize that something was wrong, something was amiss, at which point, immediately, God has them banished from the gun. What is it that the Torah in this mysterious passage is perhaps portraying to us? So the vantage point that I'd like to uh, set forth for you is, uh, as I mentioned, it begins, but it doesn't need to begin. In Parashat Terumah, this week's Parashat, the Pasuk in Parashat Terumah here Shemot perekafe Pasuk Kaf Bet, describes God um, in his appearance or in the way that he's perceived in the Mishkan. lecha <inaudible> sham... I will occasion, I will, you'll find me there in some way in the Mishkan. I'll speak to you, says God to Moshe, from on top of, of course, the top part of the Aaron, my well, we'll find out in a second, my sound will emanate from in between those two Kirubim, which of course are found on top of the Kaporet, which are on top of that Arun Ha'edut, why is it referred to, and this is important for our discussion tonight, why is it referred to as Arun Ha'edut, what's it testimony to? It's testimony to Ma'amad Har Sinai, it housed of course the Luchot, the Luchot were edut. that's what the Pasuk describes at the beginning of Parashat Teruma. Why were they known as edut? testimony, they are our vantage point, our window to Ma'amad Har Sinai. We'll in just a moment discuss that, how Ramban Nachmani in two places in his commentary to the Torah draws that connection for us. He makes very clear the Mishkan's purpose fundamentally was to reenact on a consistent basis, albeit in a smaller one, a microcosm of Ma'amad Har Sinai. You have this magnificent, exposed, revealed circumstance of, Ma'amad Sinai of God, by the way, his call at Ma'amad Sinai, and now says God, take that and make a diorama of it in this Mishkan. As a result, it's Mishkan Ha'idut, it's Aron Ha'idut. It's very much tethered and connected to. It's the embodiment of a smaller, more concealed, as opposed to revealed, Ma'amad Sinai. Anyway, the description is God being able to speak or to emanate himself or a presence to Moshe. That's the Pasuk. The truth is, you have a Pasuk um, later on, it should say, Bemidvar, source number three, Bemidvar, Perek Zayin, Pasuk Petet, is the end of Parashat, Beha Alotecha. Uvo Moshe, El Ohel Moed, Ledaber Ito, as Moshe entered, Ohel oh, Moed, to speak with God, Vayishma et. Well, now you understand why I was, for some reason or another, connected to this Pasuk that we began with in the Gan, and this coal which is emanating. And again, I know you mind saying, I'm making too much of a Gezer shava. I'm connecting words already, but give it a little bit of time to develop and to uh, spell itself out for us. But what was it that Moshe would hear from on top of the Aaron, on top of the Kaporet, miben shenei kol elav me'al asher aron miben shenei kerubim elav. So it's a direct, you know, reproduction of the Pasuk and Parashat Terumah over there, except, there's some extra detail. What's the extra detail most significant to us? It's a call, a kof vav lamed, which emanates from in between those kirubim. Already, if you're following, um, I'm already for some reason linking the call of the gan, the call of post-eating from etz hadat in the gan, the call which adam and hava hear as they're about to be banished, to some, in some way or fashion, being associated with that call me'al aron ha'edut why would it be associated how would we think to connect these perhaps I'm overthinking this before I even read these sources uh, 4, 5 and 6 I'll bring you for just a moment to source number 7 the recreation of the gun. Source number seven on the second page before we read four, five, and six. Source number seven is the Pasuk. After hearing the call, after God pronounces the consequences of eating from the Etz hadat, he tells, of course, Adam, the Kotz dar dar and so on and so forth. all of them, by et Adam. Adam is banished, V'yashkin, which is a curious word, V'yashkin, Milashon Mishkan, mi. Kedem le Eden, to the east of Gan Eden, et Kirubim. He places in the east of Eden of the Gan Kirubim, which of course are going to safeguard entrance to Derech Hayim. Says the pasuk. Little known or well known fact, Kirubim are mentioned in two contexts in the Torah. Here at the entrance way after banishment from the Gan, and of course on top of the Aaron. It's hard to argue, although it could be argued, that this is just, just just a coincidence. This seems to be a careful and deliberate statement of the Torah that in some way I should, and we've discussed this on more than one occasion, I should associate the derech etz hayim to the mishkan, the lashon of the, yashkin, the kirubim that were there, it's perkedir b'li'ezer in source number seven, who suggests... It's also in, uh, in in the Targum Yonatan bin Uziel, the Targum Yerushalmi, um, that where was it, what was it that was to the east of Eden that Adam was banished to? It was none other than Har Hamoria. What's Har It's the place where the Mikdash was built. I think it's picking up on two facts, although neither one of them stated explicitly. Again, the Lashon of a and as well, and perhaps more significantly, the Kirubim. The question is what this all means to us. But already, if you're connecting the dots just from a technical strategy. Structural standpoint, standpoint. What I'm suggesting already is to associate the call which Adam and Hava hear on their way out of the Gan, or right before they're out of the Gan, to the call which emanates from those same Kirubim. Is not so far-fetched. It's just another detail that's associated with these two episodes. How much of that can I make sense of? Well, that's to be determined. But that's already, for me, the vantage point. The vantage point, the direction is that in some way, that call in the Mishkan, which again, we have to keep in mind, and that's the next stage, is bringing us back to Har Sinai. After all, that's what the Mishkan is. The Mishkan is the microcosm of Har Sinai. It's the little diorama, the concealed revelation of Sinai on a consistent basis. So the kol, which will develop in a moment, of Sinai, if you're now making your, your spectrum, the kol of Sinai, which was implanted in the Mishkan, really began in some way or fashion in the Gan. All not so far-fetched in the context of many things we've developed with regards to, for example, the Gemara that suggests that the zuhama, the, the, the poison of the Nahash ceased at one point in history, of course, it was, B'Sha'ashi Yisrael At the moment of Ma'amad Sinai, because that moment was, effectively, as the Midrash states, the return to, Derech It's But none of that is fully explaining to us the significance of that call, which is really the new dimension for me in tonight's class. But before going forth, yes, Norman? Sorry, what about the source? For our purposes, tonight, nothing. On another occasion, and I have, on another occasion, I'll tell you how I think that that is. Although I, although I, 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 what I think happens, um, I'll tell you very briefly, very, very briefly. The last several five Pitsukim, if I'm not mistaken, of parashat yitro, have a very strange, strange description. You just finished Ma'amad Ha'ar and you're figuring we're going to finish in some sort of climatic high, and instead the pasuk says, misbah adamah ta'asin, already, adamah is some sort. And you should know, if you make it from stone, you should not make certain that they're not uh, uh, hewn stones. ki harbecha henav ta'alea v'tahalelea. So already there's a reference to the of over there. But the statement is no longer is there a cherev. We don't want a cherev in the mishkan. We don't have a cherev after the reception of the Torah. But you should know further, says the pasuk. Make certain that there's an appropriate way to go up that uh, mizbeach so that you don't reveal nakedness. Also a very trenchant theme, of course, from banishment from the gun. So it's not as if the heriv doesn't make its appearance, but for my purposes tonight, it doesn't make a full appearance in the mishkan per se, which makes sense. We want it out of the mishkan. It's true, you'll ask why the kirubim in as opposed to the of out. Okay, I do have thoughts on that for another occasion, but for my purposes, for our purposes tonight, we have to now delve into an understanding this call, which perhaps, will reveal to us why it was hearing that call in the Gan for Adam and Chava there was something so inappropriate for them that they hide that they are determined this is wrong for us again only after eating from the tree. So before getting there just in terms of finishing our technical uh, d- details the technical details as I mentioned is that the Mishkan brings us back to Ma'amat Har Sinai. Now it's not me it's not only Ramban it's even Rashi Rashi there in source number four in his commentary to Bimidbar Perik Zayin Pas. Says Vaishmaet Hakol. Says Rashi, quoting from the midrash. Yachol kol Is it possible that the voice, not voice, the sound which emanated from in between the kerubim was a low voice? Was it speaking the way I'm speaking tonight? Tamudomar Et Hakol. The pasuk says the sound. Now the he. The Hehayedia in the eyes of the rabbis is referring to something you already know. Which call are we referring to? It's not just he would hear call, it's he heard the call. Which call? Says Rashi. Of course, it's the call of Sinai. It's the same sound, booming, thundering sound of Har Sinai. That's already the association of the hachamim of a call from Sinai to a call of the Mishkan. If you were to open, which we won't in the current class. To, to and count, I haven't, although once I did, I think, count the amount of times the word kol is used by Moshe in his reminiscence of Har Sinai, Ma'amad Har Sinai, you'd be astounded. The word which is repeated throughout chapter 4, is kol, 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 call But we will address several, though, already in the in Parashat Yitro, uh, you have kol. Source number 5, he kol, it was the call of God. There's a debur from Moshe, and there's a call of God. Enigmatic, mysterious. What is this call? What's the sound of God, the name of the class, this sound of God, what is it that the sound of God represents? What is it that the Torah, by continuously referring to that sound of God, the call Adonai Elohim, what is it that we're supposed to perceive and understand? Ramban, as I mentioned to you in source number six, draws several, not the issue for us tonight, parallels between Ma'amad Har Sinai and the Mishkan, one of them, of course, being this call. I quoted it to you in Rashi from the Midrash, Ramban Nachmanik draws this parallel as well as he does many important parallels. The statement for us, however, that's most significant is as follows before we get into the meat and potatoes of this coal, it goes like this, just summarizing the first segment over here, it goes like this, we have a question, why was it that Adam and Chava hid from this coal and it's their statement, the call which got us all scared or inappropriate, inappropriate feelings, some sort of discomfort or vulnerability, that's the question, the, the vantage point to it is to imagine and to realize what the Torah's hints, veiled references at the banishment are, and that is they bring us to the Mishkan, which means to say the Mishkan is, so to speak, the entrance to the Gan. So it stands to reason that the call will be emanating from there. Where did that in turn bring us back to? Tahar Sinai. That's what we've established. The next stage is to try to understand this call. and in turn, by understanding the call, which again, we have further and several appearances in the Torah to understand perhaps why it was inappropriate for Adam and Hava in the Gan. I'll begin you in source number eight. Source number eight is Harambam and his Moreh and Moreh Nebuchim and Chedek Pet, Lamid This is a well-known chapter of Moreh Nebuchim. For one reason or another, it has emerged as a controversial chapter. If misunderstood, we won't spend all that much time on it, but we will draw the important and significant conclusion that's most relevant to us right now. It says Harambam Yitba'erli, shebe Ma'amad Har Sinai lo haya kol ha le Moshe magia le kol Yisrael. This is first and foremost, and philosophically speaking, he makes this clear. It's impossible, it's inconceivable, it's unfathomable that Am Yisrael's perception, their prophetic perception, their ability to achieve nivuah at the time of Ma'amad Har Sinai rose to the ranks of Moshe. Er- just, it's inconceivable. Here's a, here's a nation of people who 40 days earlier, uh, excuse me, more than 40 days earlier who just months earlier were in Misraim and all of a sudden they're ready for receiving the Torah. Hard, hard to believe, uh, if not impossible, in terms of their perception. Receiving the Torah, okay, God deemed them ready that their prophetic perception is going to be parallel to Moshe. It cannot be. Aval Hadibur le Moshe le the utterances, not the call, the words, the speech was to Moshe and only to Moshe. In other words, in our uh, more clear language for us, the level of nivuah, which could and was broken into words, and the ability to chunk it and understand it in its segments, only Moshe. What did Am Yisrael hear? What did they perceive at Har Sinai? says Haram Bam, I'll tell you what they had. They had kol. And that's all they had. For example, if you'll just go down a few lines, to uh, four lines from the bottom, just four words before the end of the line, V'al shema Bam now will do that, that legwork that I told you I wasn't going to do. He's going to quote many, almost all of the Pesukim Barashat halan, where this call is mentioned in the context of what Am Yisrael heard. Amar kol devarim atem shomim. The statement to Am Yisrael, you guys are hearing kol, But you don't see anything. In other words, your level of prophecy is much lower. Zulati, all you're hearing, all you're perceiving is kol. atem shomim. It never says you hear, you see devarim. Only Moshe got that. All right, well, uh, did this clarify much for us? Not all that much, but it brought us a little bit closer because it now distinguished for us between Devarim, Dibur, and Kol. And what we understand at this point is that Am Yisrael at Har Sinai heard something, so to speak. They perceived something, perhaps prophetically and only prophetically. But that was what we call Kol. Moshe was able to delve into Dibur. Uh, well, what does that suggest for us? It certainly confuses a bit. Of course, Arambam goes on to the well-known Midrash, Midrash that Am Yisrael heard Anochi and Lo from Akadosh Baruch Hu and only afterwards do they hear from Moshe, and he deals with it appropriately according to his understanding. But the most significant part for me again is that Am Yisrael hear kol because they couldn't rise above coal. And coal has some sort of appearance there that they're able to tap into Without a full cognition and understanding of dibur, to take it a step further in terms of looking to clarify what coal is, what Haram Bam told us is there was coal. That's all Am Yisrael got. What was that coal? I mean, again, in the most basic sense, you say they heard a lot of noise and they just knew it was God. I'll accept, but I think it's deeper than that. The pasuk says here in Parashat VaYet Hanan, source number nine, min hashamayim hishmiacha et kolol Says the Pasuk, you want to know what you heard from the heavens? From the heavens, you heard coal. You want to know what you or was heard from on this earth? The fire? Divarim. That's another step forward, which means to say we're already parsing a little bit more and understanding that coal is heavenly, kol is out of grasp call is in the divine realm, that you can hear, that you can tap into. I mean, are you going to perceive? Are you going to understand that? Hard to believe. The human, this worldly dibur, that's on the aretz. That's what that pasuk is perhaps suggesting. (laughs) I mean, it's it's along the lines of bat kol and lo bashamayim you know, and is in the context of a bat kol which emanates from above, wherein aret. Aret's not on the That's okay. The answer, I mean, okay, let let me deal with it separately. But for our purpose, again, at this segment, it means that we're a step forward, a step closer to understanding this call, because a call now is the Harsinai experience. But beyond that, the call is the heavenly call. What's this worldly? Dibur. Does that mean God doesn't speak to us via a conduit of dibur? It means he can. It's a higher level of prophecy, and it's one in which... I can, in this world, make sense of it, so to speak. Ga'on Mivilna makes this point based on Mich- Michilta here in source number ten and eleven. That the difference between Kol is one in which it's min shamaim and dibur is min ha-esh, is aretz. All right. But what I've still left hanging in the air is a deeper and better understanding of what this call was all about, and here's where it arrives. It arrives in the following way. If I am to piece these matters together, I would suggest, and Sifat Met makes this point in his own words, in his own context in source number 12, but it goes like this. If I am to compare with my human limited capacity, My world, so to speak, and the divine world, there are many things that I would say and could say distinguish one from the other. But most fundamentally, most fundamentally, I live in a world of separation. I live in a world in which I maintain something as truth and I can't even conceive of a conflicting opinion or view as being truthful. In a divine realm, it's one of absolute unity. In my world, it's a world of process. There's separation between segments. It takes time, thanks so much, to get to an end goal. In a divine realm, that's, there's no process necessary. That's an outcome that's, that's already produced. In other words, the difference between me and you living in this world and he, so to speak, looking down from a heavenly abode is me and you having to piece together disparate or seemingly disparate concepts and realities. Whereas if I was able to transcend, well, then I understand it all as one. I understand the conflicts which seem so appropriate to human beings as actually being a conflict, not being a conflict at all. There are moments in our own lives, certainly, where we're able to do that as well. When you're in an argument with a person and I'm claiming A and you're claiming B, very appropriate for you, Jack, this example. And ultimately speaking, we say, but we're really saying the same thing. You're just saying it from this vantage point because of your background in that fashion. And I'm saying it from this vantage point, from my background differently. How did we end that argument? We were both speaking truth. But how could it be? They're conflicting one with the other. How could I bring you a step further? And the well-known example. How could, back to our Batkol, the Gemaraim Masechet Eruvin, how could both Bet hilel and Bet Shabbai be Elu elo divrei Elohim hayim. How is it possible that they say Pasul and they say Kasher, they say Tameh, they say Tahor, and they're both truth, but Halacha bet hilel What sort of statement is that? We'll read in just a moment, but we can already put the following words to it. In a divine, above-human realm, we can understand them both representing and being truth. In a human realm, however, to understand them and to accept them in tandem appears and in turn we accept as a contradiction. But Shammai with his own personality and Hilal, with a different personality will each attach themselves to a separate truth. So the statement then is a heavenly voice, a call states, for God In a divine realm, outside of a realm of process, outside of a realm of separation, of course these are one. Of course there's no contradiction. Which therefore means for us that a call of Sinai, that a call of Sinai which made its way into the Mishkan, that the call in the Gan is one which represents absolute divinity. Of course, the Gan, as we've discussed and developed on so many occasions, was a realm unlike one which we know there was no process in the Gan. The Gan was a realm wherein human beings needed nothing to overcome. There was no challenges, or at the very least, very few challenges as we know them in our human life in this world. And in turn, the Gan was the perfect place for a kol min ha-shamayim the gun was a realm of destination the gun was a realm where there was no division the gun was an absolute ihud in all senses of the world word that's where cold Belongs. The call in turn made its appearance at Har Sinai as we reverted back to Derech Hayim, as everything came together, as existence collapsed itself in front of our eyes, as all the divisions and separations of existence and the process which we had conceived of and lived by until then fell away as we couldn't see anything other than God and divinity and Torah throughout existence. Well, what are we going to perceive at Har Sinai? What's going to be booming forth? Nothing other than a call to separate it with dibur, to put specific segments, to chunk it, is a human perception. That's the way we think. We divide words and sentences and letters. In a divine realm, what sort of concept is there? Of that sort. In turn, the call of Sinai is very much the call of the Gan, because when you're in a realm that transcends the human realm, when you're in a realm to use Harun Bam's words of Emeth and Sheker, when you're in a realm which defies process, you can't speak in dibur; you rather speak in call. Dibur, by definition, brings forth fractured and and divided concepts and thoughts which are now to be pieced together in one way or another. If it's kol, it's all together. Sefat Emet, as a matter of fact, here in source number 12, develops this in the following context. He talks about the kol shofar of Rosh Hashanah. And he talks, as we did this year, Unbeknownst to me, Sefat Emet beat me to it by several hundred years. Sefat Emet was the Geru Rebbe several hundred years ago and his suggestion is that Rosh Hashanah is the time period during which reality, existence, has that opportunity to revert back to a time of potential, to a time of absolute divinity, to a time in which we see past the division of humanity, and we see an absolute, and we see a destination-driven reality, or one in which we're being, as opposed to becoming in turn. Of course, we have kol Rosh Hashanah. We can't articulate existence as it truly is in the godly realm through dibur, we can only do it through kol shofar, that's his statement, but again, bringing us back to the gun, before we fully flesh it out, let me ask you, as Adam and Chava are on their way out, how do I know they're on their way out, they ate from etzada tovara, they are now entering into, while in the Gan, a realm of Tov and Ra, a realm of process. They are now about to be told because they brought it upon themselves. You're now going to have to work for the bread; it won't just grow there and be ready for you. They're now told there'll be arduous process to having children. They're now enveloping themselves in a world of humanity which defies the Gan, and they hear a call? Well, that doesn't, that jives with them. That doesn't jive with them. That's so not who they are. They're running from a call. They're now entering and seeking a world of Dibur. To hear a call, that for Adam and Chava jolts them. They can't live with that because that's not what they are. They're running from that. They've now become, in my words, throughout human beings. Call isn't for human beings. Call is for gods. Call is for malachim. Call is what you. What's that? Human beings are midaberim by definition. The medieval philosophers referred to human beings as midaberim. Certainly, to understand life as a human being at its core, it's about dibur. We segment. We're able to develop and understand ourselves, not through that unified vision. We might work toward that. That's not who we are at our core. We are human beings. The Pasuk says at the beginning of Aseret HaDeberot, right before they were given, says the Torah, Elohim, et Kol Kol over here, El Lelemod, Pasuk says, God spoke all of these divarim, saying, and the Hachamim Rashi first, uh, in, in the way you know, you'd know you come across it in opening a homash, but really the Hachamim. In the Midrash, pick up on the fact that before hearing Anochi, Lohieh, and so forth, the pasuk says, God spoke all of these things. So of course, in the simple reading, it's an introductory statement. God spoke everything you're about to hear. Instead of reading it that way, the Chachamim look at that pasuk and they say, this is something that took place. He spoke it all. What do you mean, he spoke it all? No, he spoke Anochi and Loiye, What sort of statement is it? He spoke it all. Says Rashi, not as relevant to our conversation today, but just as a vantage point, says Rashi, God spoke it all at once. All the Ten Commandments were stated as one, and then they were broken up afterwards. There are many important lessons to be derived from that. Says the Midrash, an alternative opinion, here in source number 15. Amar B'Yitzhak, first line of source number 15. atidim <speaking in> vechodor <Hebrew> You should know every prophecy, every future prophecy, every past prophecy emanated forth at Har Sinai. Moshe has this enigmatic, hard to understand statement. You should know everyone's a part of the birit, both those who are with us today and those who will come along in the future. How could you bind those who come along in the future to what's being stated today unless? What's being stated today represents in totality everything that will ever be stated. How could you possibly conceive of that unless you're transcending divur and entering into a realm of kol. If kol represents the divine sound, it means it has everything in it, every thought, every concept, everything which represents truth in this world was stated in kol. That's Harsinai, to the extent, of course, that the Midrash continues. Not only is it the prophets who are tapping into Harsinai every time they prophesy, but it's the hachamim as well. Every thought, every perception is emanating from, and the Midrash says it explicitly, two lines from the bottom. et ha Adonai kol kol gadol velo yasaf statement is it was a kol gadol velo yasaf, lo yasaf they understand as unculus does, as never-ending. What do you mean the sound never ended? If it was the sound of divinity, if it encapsulated all, if by definition that was truth, that was a uh, glimpse into the Ghan, that's what we in turn, every time we perceive something, tap back into. Says the Midrash, Of course, we're familiar with this concept of 70 truths. From where? From here. The Midrash derives it from a kol. Keep in mind, there was no dibur. There was kol. Kol could be translated into dibur. Kol can be perceived as dibur. But that's in order. It's as Gaon Mivilna, as Mechilta set forth for us: Shamayim, divine realm; Gan, Ma'amad Har Sinai, Mishkan. That's where we have called. Says Adam and Habam one to the other. My reconstruction is that call. That's what we're running from. Call is the Gan. Call is when we were eating from it. It's a chaim. We're running from that. Says God, that's true. So get the heck out of here. And what I'll place there is the kirubim, be because there will be a time in the future where you'll return, albeit on occasion, albeit on a, some sort of consistency every time you enter in, and you'll be able to perceive of that call. That call will continue in specific circumstances but you'll no longer live there because living there is not a life of human beings. Rabbeinu Rabbeinu Azriel, here in source number 17, Rabbeinu Azriel of Gerona was one of the great uh, early mystics in Judaism. He and Rabbeinu Ezra were no, yeah. mentors of sorts for Ramban and Chokhmat Kabbalah. he is in his commentary to a well-known and very relevant Gemara in Masechit Hagigandaf Gimala Mudbet cites the Midrash the Midrash which says Shivim Panim LaTorah different Midrash but the same idea 70 faces to the Torah says says uh, Rabbeinu Azriel how do you make sense of that of course we're talking about the fact that I can claim that it's Tamein you can claim it's Tahor and we're both right it's both true how's that possible says Rabbeinu Azriel I'll tell you second line it's the call that's the mystery of it all it's being solved in every time we talk about this concept of a divine truth which brings forth an ehud a oneness to all it's because of that call that's the secret. The secret to the call is the secret to the end of process. Is the secret to the Ihud, the absolute Ihud. <laughs> Ritva in his commentary to and Chediruvinan dafiyot Bet. that's the gimara, Elova ve'elu ha'im. again repeating, it's a bat call which emanates and states it. It couldn't be a sound from this world. It couldn't be a dibur which said, e'elu ve'elu ha'im because as a human being, I can't speak like that. I can have a glimpse of it. I can postulate. I can apostate i can dream of it but to actually live tameh and tahor in tandem at once that's ridiculous you're a human being you see them as separate they are separate for you so that, go ahead. Rashi has two interpretations either yasaf milashon lehosif or yasaf milashon sof Lo yasaf, no end. Wow. Unculus has, Veloyasaf, it never ended. Ve pasik, says And that's in turn the derasha of many. It's the derasha of the Mishnah and Masei Chetavot as well, which says that every day there's a sound which goes out from harah Horev saying, Oilahim Torah, it's deriving from that as well, kol yasaf, seriously, have you heard it? You hear it every time you tap into truth, every time you have a truthful thought, every time there's a thought of Torah, there's a perception of truth in this world, you are in that moment hearing the kol gado yasaf, that's what it's about, that's the shivim panim la Torah, that's what Ritva says, in his commentary to Masechet Eruvin, in the context of, again, Elu Elo divraelim Hayim says, Ritva, I'll tell you how to make sense of this, both Tahor and Tameh. Tirsu, he's quoting from Chachmeh Asafatim, from the French rabbis at the end of the first line here, Ki kishe'ala Moshe lamarom. When Moshe went up, again, to the heavens. That's the only place where you'll get Tameh and Tahor as one. In this world, it's Shammai versus Hilel. It's not a shamai and Hillel at once. That's ridiculous. The Kabbalah Torah hereulo al kol davar v'davar arba'im v'tisha panim leisu v'arba'im v'tisha panim leheter v'sha'ala hakadosh baruch hu el And how is it possible? Forty-nine ways to truth. And being Tahor, 49 ways of truth that it's Tameh. Just, I can't understand. How can it be both? And again, he's in the heavens where it does and is perceptible and understandable. Of course, the punchline for us is, in a practical sense, we need to choose one in this world. We live in a world of Perud, we live in a world of process, and as a result, we have Halachak Betilil. Bringing it all together and ending with this. I've said it recently because it's new, somewhat of a new thought as well, but it, it, is, it, it is identical to the thought of this class. The Gemaraim Masechet Roshanan Dafna is wondering why... There are, in each one of the three segments of Musaf and Rosh Hashanah, ten pesukim. Ten pesukim for malchuyot, ten pesukim for zikronot, ten pesukim for shofarot. Ten pesukim perfectly separate in terms of Torah, Nebiyim, and Ketuvim. But why the number ten? Because you can always ask that number, it's a nice number. But why the number ten? Says the Gemara several reasons. One of the reasons is because it's Kineged the ten utterances with which the world was created. Beautiful. I mean, what does one have to do with the other? Of course, we can make a st- make, make take a stab at that one easily. We could state Rosh Hashanah is a remembrance, a reenactment of the creation of the world. We're going back to Hayom <speaking in> Harat <Hebrew> And as a result, it's appropriate to be in some way hinting at that time period. The Gemara questions it though. The Gemara says, if you count every utterance of God in Maase Bereshit, there are only nine. Says the Gemara, B'yohanan Omer, Amar, Kileged Aserama Amarot, V'raha Olam. Says the Gemara, Henninu, what are they? Says the Gemara, Vayomir. That's the Gemara, Vayomir Bereshit, Tishahavu. Every time the word Vayomir is in Bereshit, there are only nine. Now, Zohar has a different punchline here, but listen to the Talmud's punchline. Bereshit The first pasuk, Bereshit bara Elohim, well, that's also a ma'amar. What does that mean? Well, of course, we know what that means. We've discussed it on so many occasions. It means Bereshit bara Elohim, ta'aret is also... In the capacity of creation although it sounds like a heading as ramban explains to us already that's the creation of a as gaon mivilna states time through the creation of formless matter that's god brings forth something i have one question how come the torah doesn't start something along those lines what happened to vayomer I have a Yoma nine times in Bereshit. But the rabbis tell me, Rabbi Yochanan says, but there are ten. Then why doesn't it say it the first time? The answer is, that was kol. That was the creation of everything as one. That was the creation of Tovavo. There is no separation at that time. That's formless matter. It's all one. It's imper... We can't make sense of that as human beings. Over the course of nine days, the next nine utterances, every dibural you call it now, instead of ma'mar, there's a separation setting forth a world for humanity. Adam and Chava, of course, live in alternative reality. Adam and Chava live in a world of no process. They will their way out into that larger world, which is coexisting with the world they lived in, so to speak. In short, the call, Adonai Elohim mitalech bagan l'ruach hayom, with which we began, Why was it, how was it that Adam and Chava decided it's inappropriate for us to be in the context of that call? Did they not hear it in the past? I guess you could make such a claim. But I would suggest they did hear it in the past hearing it in the past was appropriate. Before eating from etzadat, that's the world they lived in. They lived in a world of kol. They lived in a world which we don't know of, which we have a hard time understanding. They lived in a world of marom, of harsinai, of mishkan. They lived in a world of emet and sheker. Once they ate from etzadat, once they willed themselves out, it's inappropriate for us to be near such a cold. That's not what we're about. That's not what we want to be near. God, in turn, turns to them and has them out of there. But again, and I repeat one last time, but he leaves those Kirubim at the entrance to Derech Eitzchayim because he says there will still be a way to Eitzchayim. There'll be a Mishkan. There'll yet be a ma'amad Tarsinai. I'll give you... You'll be able to eat from it on occasion or if you're lucky and do it well on more than on a consistent basis You'll live the life of a human being, but you'll still be able to find that it's high will just be by overcoming challenges in short the call that enigmatic sound of God is exactly that It's the sound of the heavens. It's the sound of divinity. It's sound which cannot be segmented as human beings. We use the as gods, as divinity, there can and should only be call. Call is all encompassing. Call is not divisible. Call is something which stands in and it of itself, encapsulating all and speaking to every single generation, every single person, every time a person taps into truth. That's the call, and that's exactly what Adab and Chava were running away from, in their chase of a life of humanity. Baruch Adonai, de'olam. Amen, be'amen.